Hello and welcome to the Hole in My Heart podcast. This is episode 28, A New Voice. Yes, and my name is Lori Krieg. I'm here with my husband, Matt, producer Steve, and we have another guest, Dr. Nate Collins. Welcome, Nate. Thank you. It's good to be here, Lori and Matt. Yeah, you're welcome. We just keep getting in this game show mode whenever we start, and so I still can't help you. Come on down. Um, So we're so glad that you're here through Skype, and you're actually, your location is, we're just learning how to say it, Louisville. Yes, Louisville. That's right, Louisville, Kentucky. (gasps) They say it decent? I should have like shoved you, you, like, yeah, that was in perfect. my mouth. Get, like I said, you got to say it like your mouth's full of food. Yeah. Louisville. <laughs> Louisville. They've got some good food in Louisville, so yeah. that works. I've heard there's some good fried chicken yeah. down in Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> I, but, um, I have. Sh- <laughs> 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 I killed it. Popeyes, right? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> we well, have we, those too. Yeah, well, I'm so excited to... Um, to talk with you and talk about the Revoice Conference that is coming up this summer and talk a little bit about your book and your story. And uh, But before we do that, we just have to talk about all sorts of randomness before we get to what we call the heart of the matter. So we're going to talk about the question of the week from last week, which was... <gasps> What are you looking forward to this summer? So it's a very benign question, but I'm like looking towards summer and I'm like, oh, a summer conference. It snowed this morning here in Michigan. Yeah. And so what are you guys looking oh, wow. forward to? We'll start with you, Nate. Uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to sp- summer vacation for my kids. I'm, I'm a stay-at-home homeschool dad. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm looking forward to having my days back. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally. What's it going to be the difference if you homeschool, like between like school and then like, I don't know, what's summer look like then? Uh, it just means you get to get out and do a lot of fun stuff instead of being stuck at home. Oh, yeah. Uh, during the morning, especially is when their their school mostly is. Yeah, um, that would make sense. Yeah, it just means we able to be, like plan fun stuff. Like I love being around like my kids all, all day. Um, yeah, it's a real blessing to be able to do that. But it's fun when you can do stuff besides school. Okay, yep, I'm realizing mm-hmm. what a dumb question it was that I asked. So I was like, yeah, you don't have to pull out the books, Lori. You yeah. smart. It's, it's, you let the cats run free instead yeah. of hurting them. It's home, not school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's you right. actually do fun things. It's sometimes not even home. Sometimes it's the, the nature park or the, the zoo or. Well, that know. seems like science class. Yeah. <laughs> See, it's everything's a learning Our environment. Our kids are kind of nerdy, though. So they, nice. they enjoy it. Or at least one of them is. The other one just has fun. Oh, that's cute. Awesome. How about you, Matt? Um, other than warm weather, um, yeah. I am I'm really excited for actually 99 days from now is the World Cup. Oh, <laughs> soccer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean football. Sorry. Football. Yeah. <laughs> we, we can't call it soccer because the United States isn't in there, so uh-huh. <laughs> but I am really excited for the World Cup. I love Watching soccer, sporting <laughs> events. Lori, you know this about me. I do. I'm not um, going to lie. When you said the World Cup, I almost yelled, hockey. <laughs> and I was like, oh, shoot. Well, well, there, family. There, there is a World Cup of hockey, but usually doesn't happen in the summer. Uh, so right. Good thing I didn't say that. Embarrassing thing. Second thing out loud. Oh, shoot. <laughs> okay, Steve. Um, well, at the risk of sounding like a broken record, one trick pony, I don't know, uh, being able to enjoy the outdoors with my grandkids. Oh. Two of them now, plural. It's grandpa talk. Yeah, that's we right. We need a jingle. Uh, you're right. <laughs> we totally need yeah, a jingle. Producer just Steve's hey. grandpa corner. Grandpa, yeah. <laughs> rocking chair. <laughs> yeah, rocking chair just squeaking. No, I like yours better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, anyway, going to the beach mm-hmm. with Jackson. He's never been to the beach, oh, really. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, so just and he'll be probably walking by then. So yes. yeah, that that sounds fun to me. That sounds really fun. Yep, yeah. Yep. I am for sure looking forward to warmer weather, the beach. I'm also looking forward to hopefully getting air conditioning. So year one in our new house, I was, oh, nine months pregnant and then had a baby in uh, Mm -hmm. 90, 100 degrees. She was nine months pregnant that entire first year. I don't know how it happened. I just couldn't for the life of me get this baby out. Medical mystery. Yes. It's a miracle of birth. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the next year it was just hot. And so I'm hoping that we can get air conditioning. That's what I'm really looking forward to. Mm -hmm. Okay, so now let's get not even more serious. We're going to move right to Goofball Island. We're going to, our vehicle, Nate, if you don't listen to our podcast, we take a different vehicle each week to Goofball Island, which is from Inside Out, where we take a, uh-huh. a vacation from our problems. Mm-hmm. And we're taking a star. A star. A star. I don't know. I just thought you'd have great fun finding that sound effect, yeah. Steve. I Got just, it. I live to please. <laughs> or, or a rainbow? Like we could ride the reading <gasps> rainbow? We, I think we, no, we did the magic do, school bus. Oh, we do ride yes. the magic school. We have done that one before. Yes. Anyway. Whatever. We're taking a star. Some because. celestial I object. Think it will we will be a ride. flying star yes. with like a rainbow tail. There we go. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm seeing it. Yep. Okay. So the reason for the star is because I am asking the question, when have you been starstruck? Oh. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like, where does this question come from, Lori? <laughs> just wow oh funny you should ask or i should ask me all right i'll go ahead and then we'll i'll let you all get in so this last week i had the opportunity to meet francis chan now we've only been talking about him and his book for mm, oh yay 20 (laughs) weeks now and joking about getting a francis chan tattoo on our faces i did not do that but we did go to the vip event before our um before the whole big 10,000 people descended on this church where he spoke. And which, again, the whole VIP concept, very important people. I just felt really bad about that the whole time, like walking past everyone in line and being like, I did. I actually felt kind of gross, but then I was really fighting with my flesh where I also felt simultaneously awesome because I just walked (laughs) past everyone and go to this room. And then Francis is late. And uh, because his flight got canceled, whatever. And then he walks in the door and I'm just looking at Matt. He sees him behind me, goes, brace yourself. And I'm like, what? I'm cool. I'm be cool. cool. Be cool. Be Don't cool. worry about be it. Cool. And then, but they like whisk him to the front of the room. And my dad's like kind of in charge of some of this event. And so he's like waves me up yeah. because there's like probably 30 people up there. And so he waves me up. I go up there and I'm able to pray over him. And I'm just like, Lori, come on. I'd been getting convicted all week. Like you worship people, Lori, this is gross. So I pray over him and I'm like, wow, this feels exactly the same as praying over other people. So I'm like well, getting convicted. And then I'm like, it's cool, God. Cause then he gets whisked off to another um, place. And I'm like, all right, God, I get it. I need to not be like all freaking out about him. Fast forward 15 minutes. I go to the bathroom and I come back down this little secret VIP hallway. (laughs) Bodyguard in front of me, bodyguard halfway down the hall, bodyguard all the way down the hall. Fran Chan (laughs) at the bottom of the hallway. I forget everything I've been convicted on. And I yell, Francis! And I start (laughs) running down the hall. 
toward him. Like a crazy person. Like a crazy person. All the bodyguards are like grabbing their ear mics. They like start standing up and I'm like, I like freeze. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I look like a psychopath. And I'm like, sorry, I'm sorry. I was like, I just wanted to thank you for like your book. And I just like tumble these words out and I like hand him my card. And he's like, oh, you're Randy's daughter. That's my dad. And I was like, yeah, okay, just thank you. And I like run away. (laughs) This was all before the event? Yeah, this was before. Okay, when you said that, I thought it was like at the end of the night. Like, okay. No, it was all before. So then I go and I'm like, hey, Matt, I met him. And then again, I'm like, my spirit and my flesh are warring. Then Francis does his talk. And I don't know if you noticed this, Steve, but he says this one point that literally I think he stared me in the eyes. He goes, so you guys know how when you meet someone famous or someone like popular, you like stumble over your words. And I'm like, ugh. He goes, Lori's like, that's never happened to me before. Matt does the huge, like, neck crane yeah, 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 whip yeah. toward me. Man. And then Francis is like, why don't we do the same with God? And I'm like, oh, snap. Only wow. you, Francis. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, there's my starstruck moment where I looked like an idiot. Okay. And that's all. I will say this I didn't get the VIP, you know, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, all that. But. You guys saved seats for us. We did. And you're like, where are you? We've got seats. And at I, you know, because I work late by the time I got there and yeah. got parked and, oh, you know, so many all that, um, you know, it was already underway. Yeah. And I was like, I don't want to be like going in there, like with my little flashlight on my iPhone going, where are you guys? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like yeah. being an obnoxious person. <laughs> so I went to like, you know, overflow room number four Aww. or whatever like that, which yeah. was packed and it was awesome. Still but I kind of had an inkling when I left there, I kind of was like, I think I'm probably eventually going to regret not taking Lori up on her offer to yeah. take. This. And now having heard this story even more so, but I know. still it was, yeah, it was, it was well, if it something. makes, if it makes you feel any better, I did not get to meet Francis Chan. You yeah. Well, I, I got to see him and tell Lori to be cool. Right. <laughs> and, and you then, got to do the like super judgy neck crane as he's bored <laughs> in my eyes and was like, do you know that how people do that? <laughs> It was such perfect timing. That is awesome. Okay. Okay. Anyone else starstruck moment? Well, this one time, um, I went, this is another sporting one. I went to a a Pittsburgh Penguins game. And as probably no one listening knows, I'm a Dallas Stars fan. Oh. And so I was in enemy territory. And um, I'm wearing my Dallas jersey. And at the end of the game, I grab a Penguins jersey out of the car. And I'm going and like all the players are coming to, to sign everything. And there was a very, the best player on the Penguins team at the time was a man named Yarmer Yager. Hmm. Um, he's, he's from the Czech Republic, <laughs> and Lori um, knows him as Jeremy Jaguar because that's how she thought his name was pronounced the first time she saw it. You're getting two laughs right now. <laughs> but, the whole listening the audience. The whole listening Deep audience. Yeah. yeah, anyway, I don't even care. I literally don't care. But at one point, because he doesn't sign autographs. Because he's he was literally like the one of the best players in the NHL at the time. Jeremy Jaguar. And so we're like walking back to the car, and all of a sudden this Mercedes is pulling out from underneath the stadium, and we turn and look, and Yarmer Yager is in the car, and we like hand our stuff through his car window to him, and he like signs the jerseys for us. Did he and like then, roll down uh, the window slowly, and you just see like this cigar like <laughs> lighting up, and he's like, "Give me this stuff." Yeah, right, right. Uh, no, he, that's he, what Jeremy he, would do. He so. didn't. He didn't say any words, but it was it was a really good moment. Okay. I thought you were gonna say he took the stuff, and then he was like, "Go, go, go!" And the limo <laughs> driver just, took off. He just drove because <laughs> he really needs need another this. jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I, the, I wear these on. every day. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
coming ripped apart with my muzzles. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry. Man. Um, can uh, we cut that out? No, That's... leave it. Put That's... it in twice. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> uh, okay, so I go to the, I used to go to this convention every year. Yeah. And uh, it's the National Religious Broadcasters. Oh, in I our say beat? that because of, it has bearing on the story. Okay. Uh, so anyway, so one year it was in Anaheim, California. Ooh, and I was like, oh man, free Disney. trip to California. And they always do it like in the winter. So, you know, it's perfect. perfect. Yes. And, um, this happened to be the year that the passion of the Christ was coming out. Whoa. Mm. All right. Sad. Yes. So I'm in this big, huge ballroom, you know, this, they have this big, uh, uh, you know, convention kind of thing. And I'm they're sorry, giving I'm away... picturing like ball pit. I don't know where my mind hmm. is tonight. So ballroom. <laughs> yes, right. Got like in a, like mm-hmm. a big, big hotel or something. I can't get it anyway, and they're doing like these uh, recognition and awards for different, you know, people over the years. And I'm like so bored. I've had my dinner. Yeah. And I'm like, Just I think I might go. I might leave, go back to the room, you know. And I'm like, well, I'm going to go to the restroom. So I go to the restroom and I come back in. I'm, I'm standing there kind of in the back of the room deciding if I want to like stay for the rest of this or just check out, you know, and all of a sudden out of like the door that the servers, like the wait staff are going in and out of. So like to the kitchen, yes. there's like this entourage and at the center <gasps> of it is Mel Gibson. What? And they're like a special NRB recognition for Mel Gibson because now he's one of us because he's made a, yeah, now a he's... movie about Jesus, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. And so they're bringing him up on stage and he walks past me and he gives me this look and it's like Mel Gibson... At the time, we all thought charming, but we found out yeah. later, crazy. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. he gives me this eye, like, hey, how you doing? You know? And I'm like, that was Mel Gibson. As they're saying, welcome, Mel Gibson. I was like, what is this? Yeah. Did he walked smell? right by me. Oh, what did he smell like? <laughs> he smelled like the Bourbon. kitchen because he had just come out of the kitchen. It was probably, Perfect. Yeah, it probably was. Um, but I didn't chase him down and get security yeah. all worked out. Oh, up, yeah, no, so. his security probably would have actually, like, <laughs> yes. tackled you. Yeah. Right, right. Anyway. Oh, boy. So all right. Yeah. That was funny. Does, I, does he I have was, long, like, I just picture him like Fabio hair. Does he have, like, Fabio n- hair? No, it was curly. It yeah. was, I'm trying to remember. He, he wasn't still in his mullet stage. Okay, okay. I feel like when he Post was doing the Lethal mullet. Weapon movies, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, but no, it was a little beyond that. Yeah. Okay. All I right. thought you were going to say Jim Caviezel at first, but... Oh, Mel see, Gibson is been... even Jesus. Yeah, sorry, yeah. that's terrible. Okay, <laughs> go ahead, Nate. Yeah, I, uh, I I think I might have all of you beat. <gasps> all right. <laughs> Did you meet Jesus? <laughs> no, well, not in the flesh yet. But... <laughs> not yet. <laughs> no, um, yeah, this was a long time ago, back in Chicago. Uh, a friend of mine, so I went to Moody Bible Institute, which <gasps> is right downtown. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. just there. Uh, mm-hmm. A friend of mine, we're walking down Michigan Avenue and. We look in front of them on the hotels, and there's a small crowd of people, and we sort of, sort of uh, stick around, and all of a sudden it clears, and Bono is standing there. What? Oh. That's up there with and Jesus. So, yeah. Did he and win so a National fr- Religious Broadcaster Award? <laughs> he's still working on What's that. that? Okay. Did he win an yeah. NRB Award? So my friend and I walk up to him, because no. he's still standing there, and we just start chatting with him. I had a little piece of paper, my, a note card in my hand. Oh. And uh, we were actually, the next day, we were flying out. To, we were in a men's choir. And we were flying out to Ireland to do an uh, international tour. Did and so like- I told him, I was like, hey, we're going to your homeland for a, you know, a, a gospel tour. 
And he's like, really? You should sing Still Haven't Found What I'm Looking For. That's a gospel song, too, but of yeah. a different sort. <laughs> You're like, okay, Bono. You like pat him on the shoulder. Good try, buddy. <laughs> That's right. <gasps> you yeah, wow. yeah, yeah you Bono. win. He you, just you said the sentence, win. I chatted with Bono. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, okay, yeah, you won. Totally. Yeah, you yeah. totally won. Oh, my word. Man. I don't know if we can recover. This was a good See, this goofball is, This is why, Nate, you're on the podcast. You yes. Bring us up a little bit. I, I do have a question, though. I want to reiterate somebody's question to me. Uh, what did he smell like, Nate? Yeah, yeah. What did he smell like? <laughs> um, I, I don't remember, no, honestly. No. It was like, I'm like sorry, the, that's, a, that's a lame answer. The it was verdant like, green fields of Ireland, probably. <laughs> or bourbon. <laughs> Slash yeah. bourbon. Yeah. And leather. I feel like well, leather. Yeah. Like old rustic leather i don't know okay thank you for that let's let's get a little more serious all this was was awesome okay so the whole purpose believe it or not of this podcast is to talk about how the gospel is good news for everybody every day i don't like to just like theorize this i like to hear like real people's stories Mm. so essentially i'm asking you nate what is like the short version of your testimonies like how did you first know like the gospel was good news for you and like how do you see that now today like how is it still good news for you yeah so i mean it's that's a it's always a good question to ask for someone who grew up in a christian home um, and has always heard the gospel my entire life right Mm -hmm. Um, my parents were in ministry for as long as i can remember my dad was a pastor my mom played the piano in the church worship services um, and then my parents became missionaries when I was eight, and so they actually got to tell other people in other countries the gospel for a living. Wow. And we hmm. were uh, went to a little tiny church in the middle of a Hindu slum. In what country, if you can say? Uh, yeah, the country, no one's ever heard of it. It's a little tiny country in South America called Suriname. Hmm. Uh, it's hmm. about the size of Georgia. It's in the northeastern coast. And I lived there from when I was eight to 18. Wow. And the first couple years that we were there— um, I mean, I, I knew the gospel. I knew the story of salvation and what um, intellectually I knew, but right. it never really became real to me until uh, we came back to the States on our first furlough. Hmm. And uh, you know, Romans 10, uh, how shall they hear if there's not a preacher and how shall there'll be a preacher unless someone goes or right. song, I'm paraphrasing it. Right. I mean, that was, that was what got me because I heard English preaching for the first time in three years. And I was 11 years old when we went back on our first furlough. And so, you know, that's, that's the age when you're, you're really beginning to own things and discover who you are. And so, yeah, I, I um, remember responding in faith to the gospel message during a sermon. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that was 11 years ago or when I was 11 years old. Yeah. I love it. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Real side note, do you know a bunch of languages then? I don't know. I mean, I, well, I know more than one. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. They, they speak Dutch there, okay. so I, I know oh, Dutch. Cool. <laughs> wow. I can see Deutsch. Wait, that's German. <laughs> that, that, that is German. German. Yes. <laughs> Sounds okay. Uh, okay, so I know like a piece pieces of your story like include the walk with sexuality, which a lot of people we talk sure. with here. Um, it's we talk about sexuality. So how I guess I'm going to do an interjecting question before saying like how is it still good news for you? But like as you were walking with your journey with sexuality, how did that? that foundation of the gospel um, display itself as you journeyed with your own awareness of your sexuality? Yeah, it's so I grew up again in a third world country, very with uh, detached from the Western world. 
Um, and so my emerging sense of my sexuality, especially non-straight sexuality, mm-hmm. um, was something that I really I did not uh, come to terms with in high school at all. Um, I, I remember, I mean, if I could sort of describe my life as sort of the public life and then the, the life that I refused to even believe existed. Right. So that's how detached I was from, mm. from just the process of reconciling my experience with right. what I believe. Mm. And so, it, so yeah, I would be a youth group leader. I would teach youth group meetings and uh, help lead short-term mission trips that people would come to the States to Suriname to, to do and, and tell zero people about my struggles, about the way that I was um, coming to, to experience life. <sighs> so that didn't really happen until um, – I didn't really begin opening up until I went to college. And I mean, to this day, the theme that describes, I guess, how the gospel is real to me now, uh, given this this story that's unfolded since since college, mm-hmm. is just living transparently, living transparent and open. And, and when that requires vulnerability, then being vulnerable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I've just been, I've, I've just experienced so much grace in being mm-hmm. known. Mm-hmm. And shame in being not known and yeah. being put in the shadows or running to the shadows myself mm-hmm. um, because I'm, I'm I'm afraid of of transparency or vulnerability. And so, I mean that the way that looked like uh, in college was just learning to tell people about my experience of non-straight orientation, what that looked like, mm-hmm. um, and it just I mean I, it, it became a pattern for me if I got to know somebody or if I, um, if the topic came up then I would interject my own personal connection to the, to the topic, you know, back then it was homosexuality, and, right, right. uh, same sex attraction. That's still a little bit today. Mm-hmm. Um, today, anytime LGBT issues comes up or gay rights or religious liberty, then, you know, there's a lot of different ways that the, the, the topic comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, just experiencing the safety of the gospel and knowing that I'm loved and mm-hmm. accepted by Christ first and foremost and, mm-hmm. and my father and that his children are, are trying to mirror that some better than others. Mm-hmm. And the gospel gives me strength and grace to be able to, to live faithfully in the community that I'm a part of the spiritual community of Christ. Awesome. I love that. If I may ask, um, because I, it's hard to be vulnerable, and you said whenever the topic would come up, you'd start speaking on it. Was that ever difficult to do? Because there were seasons for me where it was like I would just go, I describe it as catatonic. Like I just couldn't uh, talk. Like was there ever, was it ever well, difficult? Well, I mean, it's not like I would always talk about yeah. it if it was appropriate. Right, um, right. But I, I mean, I guess, you know, personalities play into it as well. I don't, mm-hmm. I'm trying to think if there's ever a time well, I will tell. There is a time. It's actually going on right now. We're uh, we're going uh, in a small group mm-hmm. at church right now, and there's a uh, a lesbian couple in the small group. They're not mm-hmm. members of the church. They're just visiting. Yeah. Um, and they don't know my story yet because I haven't mentioned it in the small group because yeah. I, and I I go catatonic when it comes up. <laughs> yeah. Because I I don't know how to talk about that because they're obviously choosing a different path. Yeah. And they're exploring, and and I don't want to to make small group an unsafe place for them because they've mm. made it clear that, mm. you know, they've had negative experiences in conservative churches before. Right. Yeah. right. And uh, they're trying this one out, knowing that it's conservative, but also knowing that, you know, they're still on their guard. So we're, I think we're just going to have them over for dinner, I think. And 
broach it that way. That way we can actually get the, get all the cards on the table. But yeah, that's, I guess that's an example of, Oh yeah. Still yeah. like not quite feeling like I can go there or want to go there. Yeah. That's really an interesting scenario because usually, you know, when you would say like, Oh, when can't I share it? would be in this more larger group setting. But for, for this scenario, it's like, there's, there's a personal reason why you're not sharing, not, not for you personally, but there are two people in front of you that, mm-hmm. that it's almost creating space for them to wrestle by, by your not sharing at mm-hmm. this point, which is an interesting way to look at mm-hmm. it. Sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. So Nate, yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say maybe in you know eight weeks down the road, if we don't end up having them over for dinner and they realize, wow, that was his story. And he could have said something the entire yeah. time we were in small group and he never did like right. that might I might communicate love to them. Mm, yeah. Mm. Ugh, that's, that's, yep. That could be, I understand why you've been silent just wrestling through that. <laughs> so Nate, how has, you know, even in that scenario, knowing you're loved, no matter what, even in knowing when you're 11 and, and walking with your sexuality and um, like, how has that affected your calling? Well, I, it's hard to separate it from my calling, honestly. Yes. Um, mm. I think that for me, uh, I, I generally like it. I think I think the church is 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 uh, benefited when people who have non-majority experiences, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. um, and you know, along with being a non in the in the non-majority quote in the minority, mm-hmm. there's a there's a type of experience that that just characterizes the way you, you live life and the way that the life has meaning to you. And it's, it's this, an experience that the majority of people don't understand because it's not theirs. Mm-hmm. And I think I like, I think the church is, is enhanced. Like I think that the church is benefited when people in those minority experiences are vocal about their experience mm-hmm. and talk about it right. and, and help people who don't have that experience to understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, that has meant like, that's, that's, that's why I talk about my experience of not being straight. Mm-hmm. Um, that's why that's pretty much been the the guiding factor in, in the past 10 years since I have been sharing openly. Yeah. Um, and so I, yeah, I definitely see it as part of my calling um, to, to talk about how the gospel comes to me and meets me mm-hmm. in my particular experience. And to the extent that that is, I, that I share that in common with an entire group of people, then I think that's important that that group of people are seen as a group of people who have a collective experience because the gospel means something specific to them. Right. So it sounds like we all have this same common denominator gospel experience. It's unique to everyone. And then there's unique nuances for those who are in a minority position. And so for you to be vulnerable and honest is just showing another, it's just like opening up like, Hey, let's look at the arm over here, part of the body. And like, let's understand how the arm works because I'm a leg and I don't know how that works. And so Mm -hmm. that's, yeah. Okay. That's what I'm hearing you say. So Nate, I know that, um, you, you had a book come out and now you're working on this conference. Can you talk a little bit about your book? Cause I know it also factors into this, um, exactly what we're talking about. And then just to how mm-hmm. it relates to this conference, which would be really awesome to see a bunch of listeners there. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, yeah, so the, my book came out last September. Um, it's called all but invisible and sort of the titles kind of explores a little bit what I've been talking about, about this minority experience yes. of, of not being straight and living in 
also living a, a conservative Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it basically the book attempts to address two problems: uh, the vision problem, and the vision problem is basically that the evangelical church does not have a vision for making the traditional sexual ethic compelling for gay people, for LGBT people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we lack a drive, a, um, a sense of need and necessity mm-hmm. behind not just telling people don't have gay sex, right. but saying here's how you can flourish actually without having gay sex. Mm-hmm. Here's how you can find community. Here's how you can find family. Um, here's how you can find belonging. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so there's a whole uh, host of issues that I sort of address in that um, first part, addressing the vision, the vision problem. And then the second part is really has two parts. Um, it's the idea problem. And I wrestle with two ideas, uh, the idea of orientation. What is orientation? Mm-hmm. How do we think theologically about orientation instead of taking our cues from Freud, who said that orientation is intrinsically sexual? Um, I think even the term sexual orientation is already taking a little bit too much from Freud. Uh, I don't want to throw out orientation the way some do. Um, there's some Christian thinkers who think that all language like that is just too, uh, just not helpful. And I, I, I want to hang on to the phenomenon of orientation because I think it's real. I think it, it's, it's meaningful. But I want to I rethink it entirely and rethink it with explicitly Christian priorities, mm-hmm. Christian theological mm-hmm. priorities. And so I do that in the middle part. And then the, the second idea problem is identity. Uh, what is identity? And, you know, that's the, the postmodern question. Right. Is identity even possible? Do we even know who we are? Um, and who, who, do we, who, who makes us be who we are? And what do our experiences say about who we are? And so I, it's actually the largest part of the book. Um, I just look at gender, gender in the Bible in Genesis 1 and 2, and what God says gender is supposed to be. And mm-hmm. uh, I look at what uh, the whole tradition of feminism uh, has talked about gender, because I think right. there's some helpful things that they've said and observations they've made. There's a lot of unhelpful stuff as well. So, you know, I sort of sift through that. Um, and then I, I look at what does our culture today say about LGBT identity and Christian identity? So the two cultural Christianity, not sorry, not Christian identity as in who I am in Christ, but cultural Christianity. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's a whole story that could be told. And actually there's gonna be a workshop at the conference that's gonna tell this story. There's a whole story that can be told about the intersection of cultural Christianity and LGBT people and specifically LGBT ministry, people like ministries that have been done towards LGBT people. Yeah, like the ex gay ministry exactly and everything. yeah and so all of that that is part of that informs the identity in a sense of anybody who identifies as gone straight mm-hmm. because our culture today that's our story like that's part of what mm-hmm. we what we have to own yeah. uh, the good the bad and the ugly and so i have a whole chapter on on that and the ramifications of that and then i bring it home by looking at christian identity what is christian identity how does it function how does the bible describe it and uh, how does Christian identity incorporate all of our other identities? How are how are, are our other identities incorporated and, and I would say transformed by a Christian identity? Hmm. So we can it's possible to have multiple different sub-identities that are useful in any particular context, but the reigning identity, the the driving identity is our Christian identity if right. we're in Christ. Right. 
Love it. Thank you. And thanks for yeah. walking through that. I was, I've been able to read pieces of it, but I need to just read the whole thing because even just you're, you're not even selling it, but you're selling me on it. Uh, just how important <laughs> it is. And so thank you for that. So you mentioned the conference and it's called the Revoice conference. It's the 26th through the 28th of July, right? In yep. St. Louis. And um, just tell us what's who is the target audience? What it's who? What's it about, and um, why should someone go? Sure. Yeah. So, well, first I'll just say the name. The name Revoice. Uh, to revoice something means to update or refurbish something with a new and better voice. Mm-hmm. And for me, that is that's the solution to the the problem in evangelicalism today on this issue. Is we need to have the entire conversation revoiced. <laughs> uh, we need to maintain our convictions about traditional sexuality, but we need to put lots of other things back on the table and figure out how can we talk better about LGBT experience uh, mm-hmm. in ways that, that honor people's actual experience yeah. uh, instead of lecturing them. Um, right. So it's not necessarily so that, a way of the world's way with air quotes around whatever world means. And it's not a way of the past where it's been very right. damaging. It's like you're saying there's something new, a new way, new and better voice uh, that we can give to this conversation. I hope so. And so the the target audience who who the people who I most want want to come yeah. are actual LGBT people themselves who uh, ideally who are already committed to a traditional sexual ethic or people who are on the fence and just wanting to say give this one last shot, you know. Yeah. Um and so I I do see this as a uh, primarily as an attempt to uh, to encourage, support, and empower. That's in our mission statement, encourage, support, and empower hmm. um, gender and sexual minorities. And so I want to do that by the speakers, through workshops, through the significant free time that we've built into the schedule so that hmm. people can just do things on their own. There's plenty of things to do around, around the, the church where the conference will be. But at the same time, um, I, I really w- want uh, people who know that so straight people, pastors, uh, ministers, uh, lay leaders in churches, uh, there's a group of those kinds of people who know that the best place to learn about an issue is from the people who experience it themselves. Mm-hmm. And so if you get a gathering of you know, a couple hundred or more, hopefully, uh, people who the majority of whom do not identify as straight or cisgender, um, that's a great opportunity to learn from an entire community of people. And so we have several workshops that are going to be um, offered specifically to pastors, uh, counselors, people who are in ministry, or just uh, parents, parents of LGBT children. Yeah. Uh, so what we're, what we're aiming for is about 60% support workshops for actual LGBT people and 40% equipping workshops for um, pastors and leaders and um, ministry leaders. Oh, great. So I'm I'm doing a workshop. I wanted Matt to be able to come, but we gotta look out for yeah. little babies. So maybe next time. Yeah. Um, but I'm gonna be leading one on on needs and just like how can you care for your core needs. This isn't necessarily an equipping workshop. I'm so excited to be able to like talk to my people. That's how it feels yes. like. And it's gonna be in a room, be like, oh man, I just I get to just like go dig deep into our hearts. Um, so I hope it's gonna be. I anticipate it being really fun, and I'm hoping to like bring a bunch of people with me as well. So, um, Nate, uh, what's the, like, the one takeaway if someone who goes and like you envision them like your ideal, so an LGBT person who maybe was on the fence and is leaving the conference, what do you hope that they would feel, do, know, or say after leaving? Uh, man, 
So yeah, it's hard to pick. I think if I had to go with two, yeah. <laughs> two things, yeah. I would want them, I mean, depending on their background and, and, you know, whether they had come out to anybody in the past or not. And this was just sort of like a, I don't know, but it, I'm, I'm imagining somebody who is out to minimal people, if anybody, mm-hmm. um, and they're just needing support. They're just needing to discover, is there a community for me that I can belong to? Yeah. And I want them to see that community. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to see that community form itself because it's not, it's not real yet. Uh, we haven't had the conference. Um, the, the individuals in that community will, are out there already, and they've got their own communities. But I want them to experience a community gathered together and um, and see the just experience the, the love and acceptance that they can get from from that community. And then I want to see them take it home. Uh, I don't see uh, the conference as a solution, um, as the solution. Uh, I see it as a macrocosm of what should be happening in local churches. Mm-hmm. And so I would want to see them take a vision back with them of somehow uh, beginning to help implement uh, this kind of community in their local churches, whether it's meeting other gender and sexual minorities who go to their church and doing that by opening up themselves first and being the first person to jump off the cliff mm. uh, in terms of like being known, risking being known. Yeah. Uh, these things take risks, and I'm, my hope is that the conference empowers them to take those risks Hmm. and um, that they're able to do that in safe, safe spiritual environments. So it would be my, my, my two hopes. I love it. And knowing that we're not alone and that we belong and um, like just filled up by the Holy spirit, like to fill us up and send us back out. uh, That's Mm -hmm. really exciting. And that's a vision that I hope that we can catch if you're listening to this. So again, I'll be there. We'll be hanging out. Yeah, well, I'm just like, you know, as you're talking, the the whole idea of like knowing that there is this community out there, because I mean, I've worked, I've worked with clients um, mm-hmm. and I've actually told a few of them about, about the conference and I didn't know exactly what information to give them because I honestly just didn't even remember the name of it because it was like this mm-hmm. spur of the moment, like, Hey, do you know of anything where, you know, I was like, Oh, there's this one this summer and I know the person running it, but I don't remember the conference. I'll talk to Lori. Um, yeah. And so, but as you're talking and just like these guys that I work with, they, they feel so alone. They feel so isolated in their church. Yeah. They want to yeah. be able to talk to someone. And, and so far, the only place that they've been able to talk to someone openly is counselor. You know, in, in the walls of a counseling office, which is I'm, yeah. like, I'm glad to be there for them. But it's also the goal is that at some point you don't have to come back mm. you yeah. know, because you have a place where you, you can talk and be open and be known. And so, um, yeah, it's exciting to think that they'll be, even though it's like states away from where we are, that they could go and then maybe even who knows, meet one another, you know, go, yes. go three states over and, and find someone from <laughs> yeah. your own community that you're like, you're here too. Yeah. And, and just to, to have that, that sense of camaraderie and unity and, and this, this yeah. the idea that you're, you're not alone in this like ocean of otherness. There, there are other yep. people who also understand your experience and, and care about you. And so I, I think it's great. I'm really hopeful for the conference that it turns out real well. I agree. I love nice. that. Yeah. The, oh, you're not alone in this ocean of otherness. Nailed it. Good alliteration that's, too. That's good. <laughs> and hey, Nate, can you just throw at us real quick, who's going to be there? And then I'll throw the dates again and then where to find you. And then we'll close up shop. Sure. Yeah. So the, the keynotes are um, Wesley Hill and Eve Tushnet and myself. 
And then we've got uh, about 26 workshops. That's so amazing. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, probably the people that would most be recognized, uh, Preston Sprinkle is going to teach a workshop on how to be a straight ally. Wow. Uh, Bill Bill Henson from Lead Them Home in Ministries is going to do uh, a workshop on posture shift, how to uh, sh- adjust your posture when uh, talking to LGBT people, mm-hmm. particularly those outside the church. Mm-hmm. There's a ministry in St. Louis that's actually doing a lot of the, the legwork with me oh, great. Um, for this conference called First Light Ministries. And several of them are going to teach a workshop on pastoral care. Uh, the pastor of the church that's hosting the conference mm-hmm. is going to teach a workshop for pastors. So Great. for other pastors on how to, to make the church a safe place for gender and sexual minorities. There's going to be other uh, sort of community type workshops, mm-hmm. but they're not going to be specifically for pastors. So that's one for pastors. Uh, we have a panel discussion on race and sexuality. And we're going to basically, we're going to have four racial minorities who are also sexual minorities uh, be on a panel that's going to be moderated by an African-American woman who's the director of women's ministries for this, for first light. Great. And so that's, we're billing that workshop as primarily a support type workshop mm-hmm. for p- people of color who are also gender and sexual minorities. Mm-hmm. Um, just to be able to, to listen to other people of color talk about how they navigate that experience. But then one of the people on that panel is going to teach an equipping workshop on race and sexuality. And so that's going to be really cool. Love it. I could go on and on. There's a yeah. mixed orientation marriage panel. <laughs> yeah. uh, folks like Woo-hoo. me who are not straight, but married to an opposite sex person. Um, there's going to be uh, a workshop on shame and how to deal with shame. Um, That's a big one. Associated with your sexuality. Yeah, it's, it's huge. On uh, a heartbreak. So what it looks like to like develop close, intense feelings of friendship with someone that you also develop in a, a sense of attraction to. So yikes. some one guy is going to talk very just transparently about how he navigates that. Oh, I said yikes because I'm like, oh man, it's just that's, mm-hmm. I walk with people a lot with that. Yeah, yeah. It's so exciting. And Nate, where can they find all of this? What website? Revoice.us. Revoice. So the website is re- revoice.us. Great. It's got all the, the information. It's got the link to register. There's just a couple of early bird spots left. Do um, it. Get tw- so. Tweet that bird uh, whatever <laughs> put your credit card in and get tickets okay all right well nate and i'll post a bunch of um links to just how people can find you uh but it's been just a an honor and a joy to have you on the podcast today also good hearty right. laughs that i love it's always good balance yeah, guys are great. <laughs> oh thanks nate we're so excited to see, well i'm excited to see you and hopefully we as a collective will see you in person sometime soon but just thanks so much for being on with us um and thanks for having me. Yeah. And thanks, Matt and Steve. And for all of us here at the Hole in My Heart podcast, we will see you. Wait, I didn't do a question of the week. Wow. <gasps> Caught myself Whoa. right before I said it. Nice okay. Catch. Thank nice you. Catch. Oh, I was on my way to roll out the door. Okay. <laughs> uh, but we were talking about just how this passion that we have, obviously, for LGBT sexual and gender minorities. And so what's um, I'm reading through James and just like how true religion is caring for the orphan and the widow. Is there another people group? And maybe it's like, no, this is my focus. It's just my calm. Is there another people group that like really gets your your heart racing and you're like, oh, I so care about this conversation as well. So I just would love to just talk about that a little bit. All right. Ready? Here we go. (laughs) All right. For all of us here at the Hole in My Art podcast, we will see you next week. Thanks again for listening to this week's episode. Uh, We hope it has been another reminder that the gospel really is good news for everybody every day. 
Hey, would you tell a friend about uh, the Hole in My Heart podcast? Uh, tell them they can find it in Google Play, in the TuneIn app, and of course Apple Podcast. If, if you don't want to miss an episode, really uh, suggest that you subscribe in Apple Podcasts. And remember, your positive ratings and reviews will help us reach more listeners. And of course, you can follow Lori at himhministries.com. We'll see you next week. Bye.